This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. I mean, what are the last six letters of attraction? Action. Right, like you actually have to facilitate the law of Goya, uh, which is get off your ass. And it's funny because the secret probably like made the law of attraction like mainstream in pop culture. And I've interviewed some of them and become good friends with John Asrov. And listen, it's a great film and book, and it's really helped me. But it's incomplete because just like you just said, you nailed it. You actually have to take action. The law of attraction is very powerful because it enables you to have a target. You can't hit a target that you can't see. So it's very important in life to be intentional, right? Because if you have an idea, all of a sudden something becomes a possibility. But if you actually take steps towards that idea, now it becomes a probability, right? But they go hand in hand. You have the intention and then you take action towards it. So I agree with you 100%. I'm glad that you brought that up because there is a big misconception. You can't just sit there on your mom's couch and pray for it and meditate on it. You actually have to take action. I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author and entrepreneur, and I'm on a mission to help others become the best version of themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to the Adversity Advantage Podcast, where we will help you use obstacles, failures, and setbacks to give you that edge needed for success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life on how they overcame trials and turned them into triumphs. So please sit back, relax, and get ready to be absolutely blown away by some of the wisdom and stories you're about to hear. Welcome back to another episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bopes, and today's guest is Craig Siegel founder and creator of the rapidly growing CLS podcast and brand. What you may or may not know is that Craig has an incredible story. Craig had a successful career on Wall Street financially before finding himself miserable during the pandemic. After hitting rock bottom mentally and emotionally, Craig dove deep into running and personal development to cultivate a transformative identity shift. Craig's energy and passion for life and personal growth is infectious and entertaining, and it is the driving force behind his success today, personally and professionally. So let's get this conversation going. And welcome Craig Siegel to the Adversity Advantage Podcast. Craig Siegel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, brother. And like we were saying before we hit record, you and I only recently connected, but it's that rare connection, very intimate. Like, I feel like I've known you forever. I'm excited for today. Let's rock. Let's rock and roll. You know, what's interesting is that like there's been a lot of people that have kind of like behind the scenes told us to connect. And then like kind of the the stars kind of aligned, if you will. And when we had our conversation, like things went so well. And I was like, man, like our podcast interview is going to go great. And where, where I want to start with you is like people who are maybe meeting you for the first time by listening to this or they follow you on social media. But one of the first things they notice is your aurora, this energy that you put out there. You're like always on fire. But I know like that's a skill that you've had to develop. So like what would have been like who who was Craig Siegel? What were you like before you had this upbeat energy? And how did you develop the skills to become a person where you're just putting out like all this positive energy? Yes. Yeah, so, so I was always trying to find myself. I didn't know exactly who I was or, or why I was here. Ultimately, after college, I ended up on Wall Street and I started to have a lot of success from a monetary standpoint. But as I always like to say, as you learn and grow, uh, you start to realize that monetary success doesn't necessarily equal happiness. 
And so I had glimpses of this burst of energy because I was enthusiastic about what I was doing for a time. And it was really fun until it wasn't, as you can imagine, with the unpredictable Wall Street. And so I pivoted and I started my own business with working capital and so forth. And that was cool. Wasn't setting my soul on fire, but again, glimpses of all this energy. So what I knew is I started to learn that I have so much to give, so much positive enthusiasm and energy. I really need to find something that I'm aligned with so I can be in alignment and channel it all. But like, look, it's so easy to say, speak to a mentor, read a book, but you have to experience life. And so a couple years back, I was in a dark place. I had just got out of a toxic relationship. My dad had gotten diagnosed with cancer. Uh, Just a bunch of things going on at once. I was miserable at work. And so I found marathons and running and I was really enthusiastic and excited about that. But again, was it gonna be a professional runner? Uh, I was just looking for an outlet, an arena to be a gladiator and so to speak. And then bang, fast forward to the pandemic slash lockdown. Uh, for the first time in my life, but specifically my adult life, where I just found myself grounded and took a second to reassess. Like, am I really happy? Not even close. Like, who am I? Why am I here? What do I want to do? And when I put myself in that frequency and I made myself available for the divine creative downloads to figure out what I'm doing here, all of a sudden CLS or Cultivate Lasting Symphony or Play On My Initials came to mind. I basically combined my passions of personal development with my gift to communicate effectively and CLS began to take shape. And ever since that moment, Doug, when I finally got clarity on what my purpose was, I've been enthusiastic ever since. And just to be clear, it doesn't mean that there's not days that you know I wake up and I'm not a 10 out of 10, but ultimately, and I know that you can attest this too, when you really find what sets your soul on fire, it's a different type of gratitude. This isn't work to me, this conversation. I love this stuff. I'm glad to be here. I'm enthusiastic about this every single day because I have contrast. I know what it feels like to not love what you do. In addition, obviously you can bottle up and cultivate it into a skill. I love that, man. There's there's so much to, to unpack with that. And I guess to start, like, like, what were some of the first steps you took? Like, because I think a lot of times people get lost when they're they're feeling like miserable, they're hopeless, like they go through a bad breakup, like you went through, or they're in a job that they're they're miserable at or whatever, and they're like, All right, I gotta like start fresh. I gotta start over. Like, what were some of those first few steps you took in order to make that pivot from from Wall Street to getting into the marathons? Yeah, so in the marathons, I had went for a run one day and I was always a weightlifter, always worked out. That that was a part of my identity, but never cardio, right? And and one day I go for a run and I was so humbled by the fact that I struggled to run a mile straight without like getting tired. And then I came home and, and I've been addicted to personality and I started looking up running and I was like, wait a minute, was I really physically drained for a mile or was I more like mentally not fit? Next day, ran two miles, a little bit better. And I was just fascinated. I was like, is running really that mental? Next day, signed up for a 10K. And then a little bit after that, it was the New York City Marathon, which actually cultivated in four marathons that very year, the first year I started running. I just became obsessed with it. And I still run to this day. I'm so grateful I found it, Doug, because for me, at a time when I was in a pretty dark place, if I'm being honest, like running was a sanctuary because when I'm out there, it's just me, God, the pavement and my thoughts. And, I, and it's like a moving meditation for me. 
I love how it's such a metaphor for life, right? Like if for anyone out there that's listening for the audience, I know you have a, a huge audience. When you're running miles late in a race, like mile 18, 19, 20, like you get, and nobody's exempt from this because I've interviewed some of the world's great professional runners. They all agree. Like you get a demonic voice in your head, right? And you have to combat that voice. You have to kind of meet it and stiff arm it, so to speak. And isn't that really life? Like whenever we have troubles or obstacles or challenges, adversity, it's a test. And if we don't react, right, if we just pause and we lean into it or, or we figure things out, ultimately the most growth is on the other side of that. So I just became so fascinated from the very moment that I went for my first run. And still to this day, running will always, God willing, play a big role in my life. That's amazing, man. And I think there's a lot of people that can relate to your story where they want to try something new and embrace it and they go out for the first time and and do the thing, whether it's running or whether it's like playing the piano, whether it's rock climbing, whatever, and they find themselves in a place where they're humbled and they're like, wow, like that's a lot harder than I thought it was. And I need to either get better at it or I need to to learn how to like master some skills to work on that craft. I think as as we both know, like a lot of people stop there though. They would have run that first mile or run that first 10 minutes or whatever. And they would have been like, man, I'm out of shape. Like I can't do this. Like it's too hard. I'm just going to quit because that's the easy road. And I know back then in your journey, while you had some level of personal development experience, like you aren't, you aren't where, where you're at now as far as your energy and your self-confidence. Like how did you motivate yourself and kind of talk to yourself during those initial stages of running to not let yourself get in a place where you're feeling hopeless in that pursuit? You know, I never really been asked that. So as a result, I've definitely never given this answer, but I'm a Taurus by that. I'm stubborn to a fault. And when I started struggling with my first couple runs, I didn't buy, I didn't subscribe to the fact that I couldn't run. I'm a pretty athletic in shape cat, although maybe not cardio, but I understood that just like most things, it's a skill set to be developed. And although I may not be great at it today, I'm hungry enough and resourceful enough to figure out if I can get a little bit better at this beautiful, pure sport. I literally started like Googling and researching running and techniques and so forth. And I just pounded the pavement and I got after it and I started to see progress. And isn't that one of the most beautiful things in life when you work towards something and you begin to experience growth and then it becomes contagious. And I just loved it ever since. So we're going to get deep, man. And I, and I love the comparison of how you compare like running a marathon to life because that's just it, right? Like life is this is this race and there's going to be certain miles in that race where you're maybe a little slower, a little more fatigued, not feeling so good. Just like in life, there's going to be years or months where you're not feeling your best and you're more fatigued and, and that sort of thing. But going from like running a mile to running a marathon is like no easy feat. And I'm sure there was a few moments where you felt confident that you were like, you know what, like, I'm going to do this. I can do this. Like looking back at your like running journey, Craig, like after you get the first few miles under your belt, maybe you run like a few long distance runs. What was that moment in time where you felt like you had the self-confidence to know you were going to complete that first marathon? You know what it was, brother? You never really know if you could complete a marathon if you've never run one. The reason being is because you never run 26.2 miles in training. They say never go past 20, right? So there's a level of uncertainty between mile 20 and 26.2. But I was just at a point in my life where I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. 
And I was looking for something to give all this energy and enthusiasm to. And it's interesting because you attested to it early in the conversation, like where did that come from? I didn't know where I wanted to allocate it, but running seemed like a really, really good idea at the time. And so I allocated all this passion towards it. And I said to myself, I don't, I can't guarantee that I'm gonna finish this thing, but I can guarantee that I'm gonna give it everything I got. And I can live with that because up until that point in my life, I wasn't happy or fulfilled with my current legacy. I felt like I could have done more. I felt like I was here for a big reason, a big calling. And I was unsure of exactly what that was. It felt like maybe it was Wall Street for a little bit and then I realized it definitely wasn't. And so running was kind of that bridge from like lost in the wilderness to ultimately CLS and finding my alignment and what I'm supposed to be doing in life. And running was that bridge in between. And you asked me how I had the self-confidence to know I'd conquer it. I just had the self-confidence to know that I was gonna give it everything I got and that intention I tied to my confidence. And at the time that was something I could live with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I've heard that too from people who have run marathons that like when you're training, you you actually never run like a full marathon, right? It's always like kind of scaled back a little bit just so you don't burn yourself out. And there is that level of uncertainty, like you said, where there's this gap right between the 20 and the 26.2 miles, if you will, where you got to have developed that self-confidence in your ability to run and to persevere and to push through to get through that. I know not too long ago, man, you had that kind of a hiccup in your running career. And for many people, it might have completely stopped them in their tracks and they they wouldn't have persevered through that and then actually ended up running another one that year. Talk about what was going through your mind when you had that injury, where your level of self-confidence was, your self-esteem, and then how you pulled yourself out of that rut to actually run a marathon later that year. Yeah, so just to give some some context, I was at a big speaking engagement uh, with Dave Melter and some other people, and I got injured playing football on the beach with the boys. Never a good idea. I came home and it was misdiagnosed as a sprained ligament. I went with my intuition and I facilitated an MRI. And as it turns out, completely unforeseen, there was a tumor in my foot. It shook me up, I didn't see that coming, but I'm at such a place now in my life that I understand from life experience and my personal development that life happens for us, not to us. It's not to say there weren't some tough days in the beginning, but ultimately I knew that this wasn't something in my control. What I can do is go to the best doctors, get the surgery, get the tumor taken out, which I did and it came back benign, thank God. But ultimately you can never connect the dots looking forward. But I understood based upon where I'm at right now is that there wasn't a coincidence. The tumor was in my foot for a reason. Maybe I needed to slow down in life. Maybe I needed a warning sign, or, or maybe just I need to become a better person. Whatever the case may be, I rolled with it, I leaned into it, I didn't complain, I was on crutches. And although I couldn't run the Chicago Marathon because I literally still had stitches in my foot, it started to creep up. And, and again, not a coincidence that the New York City Marathon might be possible because it was three weeks after Chicago. And so going into this one, I decided I'm not running this marathon for me. Like, oh, how fast can I run? I was gonna run this to inspire my dad who's battling cancer and also raise money for American Cancer Society and do it for a much bigger cause. And even though I didn't have that physical training, at the time, I started diving really deep into this quantum stuff and this energy stuff. And we can absolutely dive into that stuff if you'd like. Uh, And I just felt oneness. I felt no 
uh, distractions. I felt like I was able to block out the interference and I just felt good. Uh, I was in like another dimension, so to speak. And so I had an opportunity to get to the start line for the New York City Marathon without any physical training. The stitches were kind of healing. Uh, and ultimately, make a long story short, I ended up running the fastest I ever ran in my life. I ran a 339 marathon in New York City, which is a challenging course with the hills. More importantly, I inspired my dad, who's still battling cancer. I raised money for American Cancer Society. And that whole journey was such a learning experience because although the journey ended from tumor diagnosis to crossing the finish line, the, a real journey just began. And that's like all this quantum stuff and the energy and understanding you have to be a match for the abundance out there and just being in a higher frequency and vibrating on another level. And also, most importantly, I think I really learned during that experience to lose the ego and work within it and do things for a bigger reason. And I've been in the quantum ever since. And, and I believe that that whole situation was a pivotal moment in my life and I wouldn't change a thing. With everything getting more and more expensive, I am constantly looking for new ways to cut costs and find savings and also help my personal training clients do the same. That's why when it comes to buying my organic groceries and household goods, I am all about Thrive Market. With Thrive Market, you can shop everything from healthy pantry essentials to sustainable meat and seafood to frozen fruits and vegetables and non-toxic beauty products, and they are all delivered right to your door. Thrive Market carefully vets every product they carry so you can trust that if it's there, it's the best. Finding savings on items that matter most to you is easy with Thrive Market. You can find what you need because they have over 5,000 food, home, and beauty products. So if you are looking for plant-based, keto, or gluten-free, Thrive Market has you covered. Some of the things that I've really been enjoying from them lately are their chicken breasts, their fish, and their frozen veggies. Plus, when you shop with Thrive Market, you can save time and gas by not having to make that trip to the store because you can buy everything you need online. And best of all, if you happen to find a lower price elsewhere, Thrive Market will match it. So join Thrive Market today to get 40% off your first order and a free gift worth over $50. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash Doug Fitness to get 40% off your first order and a free gift worth over $50. That's thrivemarket.com slash Doug Fitness. Again, it's thrivemarket.com slash Doug Fitness. I love it, man. I, lo I love anytime somebody takes a situation where they were down and out and the odds were stacked against them and they're able to just kind of have this innate level of, of grit, resilience, and perseverance to kind of not just muscle through it, but also use that experience to shape them into to who they are today. And like, congrats to you for taking that situation and um and literally like running away with it if you will i mean no pun intended right as far as like the law of attraction quantum i've spent some time on here talking about it and there's a lot of information out there as far as the law of attraction to me like i do believe in the law of attraction i think where what i think is bs about the law of attraction is when people will say all right i'm just going to think about like let's just use money as an easy example i'm going to think about making a hundred thousand dollars a year and i'm going to sit on my couch and then write about it and then it's just going to come to me. Like to me I feel like you have to take some action. You you got to put yourself out there along with like thinking this sort of way. Like what are your thoughts on that? I mean what are the last six letters of attraction? Action. 
right? Like you actually have to facilitate the law of Goya, uh, which is get off your ass. And it's funny because this secret probably like made the law of attraction like mainstream in pop culture. And I've interviewed some of them and become good friends with John Asrov. And listen, it's a great film and book and it's really helped me, but it's incomplete because just like you just said, you nailed it. You actually have to take action. The law of attraction is very powerful because it enables you to have a target. You can't hit a target that you can't see. So it's very important in life to be intentional, right? Because if you have an idea, all of a sudden something becomes a possibility. But if you actually take steps towards that idea, now it becomes a probability, right? But they go hand in hand. You have the intention and then you take action towards it. So I agree with you 100%. I'm glad that you brought that up because there is a big misconception. You can't just sit there on your mom's couch and pray for it and meditate on it. You actually have to take action. But the reason why I think it's so powerful is because it enables you to focus on a certain intention. And then if you're vibrating on a really high frequency in regards to that intention and you're losing the scarcity mindset and you're actually one with abundance so forth, then it enables you to like shape shift and the universe will absolutely open doors and present opportunities for you. But there's a lot that goes into this stuff, but it does start with the intention, uh, but the intention means nothing if you don't actually take action. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. I agree with you. Yeah, let's go deeper into this because I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with, right? Is they, they, they have their sights on a big goal, whether it's running a marathon, whether it's getting into a healthy relationship, whether it's just doing some deep inner work to like unlearn some unhealthy patterns or it's to build a business. I mean, fill in the blank, but they don't understand that they need to take like the daily steps, you know, daily, have these daily disciplines, take these small actions that will lead up to that. And you've been a guy that you've you've run your fair share of marathons, you've built a business, you've sold a business and started another business, you've built a success, successful podcast, and you've kind of transformed yourself. And I, I gather that you kind of have some experience in setting your sights on something that in many cases could be hard or seem a little bit unattainable, but you've achieved it. Like what have been like some of the keys to your success, Craig, in setting your sights on a, a high goal and achieving it? Yes. So the weird answer, because I'm really weird and strange and I don't sugarcoat that, is to cultivate that maniacal drive, right? Be obsessed. But the more tangible answer, brother, for the audience is is to have non-negotiables, right? To have habits. Because what I think the big separator between the juggernauts who are extremely successful and the, the mediocre or less than successful people is that the really successful people they get to it on the days they don't have it, right? They get to it on the days that they're not a 10 out of 10 or they're not feeling it. They still get after that. And the way to do that is to revert back to your training, as they say, as a Navy SEAL. Or if you have non-negotiables, right? You wake up every day. Let's just say you want to be one of the most sought out speakers in the world. No matter how you're feeling, 30 minutes every day, you're doing some outreach, some outbound. You're speaking to companies, seeing if they can utilize a speaker that you happen to be an expert in. Whatever, it's just an example. Or if you're training for a marathon and you want to get a certain time, you don't miss days, right? Like you have to put in the mileage to get up there. You're eating right. You don't take a whole day off and cheat. You may have cheat meals and so forth, but at the end of the day, even when you're not feeling it, you stick to the plan. And I think I've always been very disciplined since I got to Wall Street. Before that, maybe not so much. But one of the great things I learned on Wall Street was the power of discipline. And I think it's huge. 
Because if you're married to like a process, right? And I always say like marry the process, divorce the outcome. But if you have a process and you stick to that, no matter how you're feeling, because we won't always be flying every single day, but if you revert back to your training, the non-negotiables, the daily goals, the small wins, you can stay on track. And for me, that's always been really, really useful. Yeah, amen to that, man. It's having those non-negotiables. And I like to say like sometimes you got to play hurt, man. Like there's sometimes where the best player on the team, you see him go out, they get get off the bench, he needs to hit that game-winning shot even though he's like hobbling a little bit. You got to have that drive. The same thing goes with life, man. You're emotionally hobbling, you're mentally hobbling, hobbling. You didn't sleep well, but you just know that you still have to get outside and take that walk. You still have to take that run. You still have to show up for work, like whatever the case may be. And then that trains your mind to know that just because you're not feeling 100% doesn't mean that you can't give it 100% for that day, right? And I think it's so important. One of the things that I think is is also really important for setting and achieving goals is, is having like a healthy relationship with yourself and, and having a, a high level of self-worth and, and caring about yourself in that kind of way. And I know for you, you talked about like, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, you were kind of at a, at a low point in your life. You had just gotten out of a toxic relationship. You were leaving a job that you were kind of miserable in. You had kind of, I guess, had this realization that, that life wasn't what you thought it was going to be. What were some of the like unhealthy things about Craig, like the things that brought you down that would have been some of the, the things that you've really had to work on with regards to that, that have really like helped you become who you are today? That's a really powerful question. Let's dissect that. I would say, first and foremost, the quality of my thoughts. I would have negative thoughts or disempowering thoughts, and I wasn't mentally fit enough, or maybe I didn't choose to be, and I take ownership for that, to realize that those disempowering thoughts, Doug, were creating disempowering beliefs, right? Lack of self-worth lack of, of identity or unworthiness. And then those new beliefs created lackluster habits and behaviors. And ultimately this was a cycle, it was a loop. And that led to mediocre results at best. And that's me sugarcoating it. So just allowing my thoughts to, to really consume and take up real estate inside my head that were not productive at all. Uh, and ultimately I wasn't making great decisions, whether it was a snooze button or having maybe too many cocktails, whatever the case may be, I just wasn't taking the best care of myself, but it all started mentally, right? Because everybody talks about being meant physically fit. But what I think is most important, what I challenge the audience here listening today is to really make a priority staying mentally fit. And, and how do you do that? But how, right? So my suggestion is every single day, sharpen the ax whether that's meditation, listening to an audio book, reading a book, listening to a podcast, listening to Doug's podcast or the CLS experience, something to just plant positive seeds in your mind so that you can create new empowering beliefs and so forth. And I gotten away from that for a little bit. And as a result, what's the expression when, when like uh, in jail, like the inmates are running the prison or something like that. But ultimately the thoughts in my head uh, that were taking control were very disempowering to say the least. Yeah, man. I mean, your thoughts control your your words, your words control your actions and your actions develop your character and your character develops like into your legacy. Right. And it all starts with like how you how you think, how you talk to yourself, like and how you behave on on a certain like and how you behave like throughout the day that's going to develop into like who you are as a person. Let's dive into like the the negative thoughts, because I know this is something that you talk a lot about is the ability to change the way you believe about yourself to change the way you talk to yourself. 
like other than just sharpening the axe and, and planting certain seeds with listening to to podcasts, audiobooks, and stuff like that? Like, is there any kind of like tools you use when you're in a rut? And you're like, man, like you're not going to make it or you're going to suck during this interview or this guest will never come on your show or whatever the case may be. Like, wait, what are some of the tools you use to get yourself out of a, like a negative rut with your mindset? Yeah. So just to even touch upon that further, like negative thoughts actually create cortisol, which causes inflammation in your body. So people actually become addicted to suffering physically and mentally. It's a crazy concept. But the first key to get out of this to answer your question is awareness, right? To realize, wait a minute, why do I feel like shit today? Why am I down? Why am I feeling unworthy? Why do I feel like this guest will never come on my show? Why do I feel like I'm gonna bomb this stage appearance? It's because your thoughts are negging you out. So as soon as you have awareness, now you have a choice. You can go back in, replace the disappearing thoughts with positive, constructive, productive ones, which will create no beliefs and so forth. So that's the most important answer. Other things that you can do is I like to change my environment, whether to go outside, go for a walk on the water, move my body, maybe do some exercise, go for a run, whatever the case may be. Uh, and listen, like everybody listening, we all have those days. Some days, like no matter what we do, no matter what we tell ourselves, we go in there, we change our thoughts, like we still don't have it, right? On those days, you just power through. You give it everything that you got. And ultimately, what usually happens with me on a day like that is I power through and I usually end up realizing like it wasn't so bad. Like I still had a great conversation with this person. I still moved the chains. I may not have gotten a touchdown, but I was still able to allocate a couple first downs. And the very next day is a brand new day. You have an opportunity to kind of reinvent your identity for the day, so to speak. And ultimately, you got to push through, whether it means moving your body, exercise, mentally fit, whatever the case may be. Obviously, there's, there's mantras, right, or declarations uh, to get yourself geeked up. And, but look, we all have those days. And, and I want to be real with your audience. Like everybody has those days, right? Nobody's exempt from that. The world's best in anything that they do. So it's good to have accountability partners, people that'll pump you up, that'll get you jazzed, hit you with a little bit of different perspective. But ultimately, it comes down to awareness. The fact that negative thoughts actually create cortisol, which causes inflammation and a completely negative state of mind and mood. So once you realize that, you can do something about it by literally putting thoughts in your head, injecting them, I am worthy. I have prepped for this. I have started two businesses. I have run five marathons. Like I have done these things. And you build a little bit of confidence so forth. And then ultimately you get through it and you don't die. Now going forward on days that you're not feeling it, you realize I've been here before and I still got through it and you lean into it. But, but let's make no mistake about it. Nobody's exempt from these days. You just power through. Just want to keep it real with the audience. Oh, yeah, nobody's exempt, right? Like you, you brought up a really good point in that you know, every day you're not going to score a touchdown, but you at least got a first down. Like every day you're not going to, you know, hit a home run. You just hit a single, right? Or, you know, I was watching, I forget, I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was on um, like some talk show and he was like, I'm still the leading scorer ever in the history of the NBA and I've only made one three-point shot. One, he's only made one three-pointer in his entire career and he's a leading scorer in the NBA ever. And I was like, dang, that's crazy. And you think about in life, man, we're always like trying to hit the the half court shot. We're always trying to shoot from three quarters and and make it. We're always trying to, you know, make the three and, and make these shots that are so far out instead of being like, man, like just take layups, take the layup. 
get the small wins every single day and they add up and we just don't realize how much these small wins add up because, and I think the reason they add up is like, days like you just talked about where it's like the days where you're feeling like crap and your energy is like a three out of 10. Like most people will just quit and just throw in the towel. And it's like, Oh, like I don't feel good that day. So I might as well not even try. And then they miss the opportunity to get a few layups, to get a few singles, to gain a few yards on the field. Right. And I think it's the people who are successful acknowledge that, like you said, like not every day is going to be great. But every day that they don't feel great, they at least still give it their all. And you see that like in the gym. And you know, I've been a trainer for for over eleven years, and and people were like, I just don't like working out. I was like, I don't like working out all the time either. Like after I get done with you, like I have plans to go for a run. The last thing I want to do at six p.m. on a Monday after I've worked all day and lifted this morning is go for a run. I really don't want to go, but I have to. And I know when I'm done, I will feel so much better. So I'm so glad that we're touching on this because it's so important for people to hear this. Another thing that I think you've done a phenomenal job of, and people will tell this if they go and check you out on Instagram, is you've, you, have a, you have a special ability to cultivate relationships online and with, with new friends. And I know that's been a big driver in your success from making the transition from Wall Street to what you're doing now. What have been like some of your the key things that you've done, you think? that have allowed you to not only change your friends, but hang out with people that are really bringing the best out on you? Yeah, that's a great question. And this is important for everybody, right? Because in order for you to really grow and upgrade your identity, you have to be around people that are doing the same, if not further ahead. And so ultimately, when I started to understand the power of social media is when I built CLS. And I reached out to people and I wanted to form a new circle, right? And it's nothing against my friends from the past. I've just spread my wings and, and going in a different direction, if you will. Uh, and ultimately, when you're looking to collaborate and make new friends, so to speak, you got to be able to provide value, right? Just because you want to hang around at my lad or, or any of these drugs out there, like, what do you bring to the table, right? So you have to make sure that you have something to offer as well. And like, for example, for me, when I was reaching out to a lot of these big celebrities to be on the podcast, one thing that I can bring to the table, whether you like me or not, you couldn't deny, is I have a really, really hardcore, loyal, engaged community. So when somebody shares their story or their content or comes into the community, they're going to get a ton new followers, listeners, uh, encouragers, people are going to be on board. Uh, And that's something that I can provide. And then ultimately, when you have these big interviews with a lot of people, because you will get an opportunity, you know that better than anybody. As long as you reach out, somebody will say yes, you will get an opportunity, you have to deliver, right? Like, so let's just use the podcast for a contrast. Like, if you have an interview with a really big celebrity or someone that's that's a little bit further ahead and you want to cultivate a relationship with them, not just the one and done, but you want them to share about it, possibly become friends, you got to do a great job, right? Build rapport, show them that you put in the effort, you did some homework, you found out something about them that's not just on Wikipedia. They appreciate that stuff. So ultimately, the power of social media is literally second to none and it's not going anywhere, whether you like it or not. So make sure that you're able to provide value and don't be shy, like reach out. What's the worst that could happen? As I always like to say, a closed mouth doesn't get fed. You can't lose what you don't have. Ultimately, keep trying, keep being authentic, keep working on yourself, putting yourself in the rooms, in the events, in the arena, uh, and good things will happen. And you'll begin to attract people to the highest version of you that already exists as you continue to work on yourself every single day. So stick with it. Absolutely. I mean, I think 
when you're trying to build relationships with people um, that are a little further along or people that maybe you're a little bit intimidated by. I mean, I, I echo exactly what you just said, but I also have learned just to be yourself. Like I remember when at first, when I would get connected to certain people that I thought were, were more important than me, I like almost like inflated my puff my chest out a little bit and tried to try too hard and you try to be somebody you're not and i think people pick up on that and the more that you can just be yourself and be human because everybody's human at the end of the day right i just think think things flow a lot smoother and you end up developing a better relationship in my experience i want to talk about your relationship with like external validation because it seems like to me like in the finance world that you were doing so well monetarily and that filled you up for a period of time until it until it stopped, right? Until you realize, like, man, I'm not happy. I'm miserable with what I'm doing, and the money just isn't doing what I thought it would do for me. With everything you're doing now, where you're you've got a social media platform, you've got a podcast, you're you're in the public eye a fair amount, so to speak, and you're getting a lot of validation from the outside. Like, how do you manage that now? Like, what? How do you make sure that you're fulfilling yourself from the inside out and not from the outside in? Great question, buddy. So for me, back in the day, when I was unevolved or immature, I would seek validation from somebody saying, nice watch, nice car, right? Nice apartment in New York City, stuff like that externally. As you go through the journey that is life, right? And you, you, you're you on your path and you go through some stuff, you start to realize that that stuff means nothing, right? The opinions of others isn't our business, as I like to say. So as I completely reinvented my identity in this world and who I am, wasn't so much as like, what did I need to do, but what did I need to become, right? To be open, to be a match for the abundance, for great things to happen to me, for me, and so forth. Ultimately now, the way that I seek validation is when somebody listens to this podcast episode, hits me up and said, hey, I heard you on Doug's show and you said a nugget that really resonated with me and I took action immediately. That is how I seek validation these days. When I realize that I'm actually contributing to somebody's life in some capacity. So if I'm at a speaking engagement, whether I'm speaking to 5,000 people, or I have one tonight that's a little more intimate, it's a mastermind, it's like 100 people, whatever the case may be, if I can say one thing, one nugget, one gem, and someone grabs something from that and betters themselves and then tells me about it, that is the ultimate validation for me today, to know that I made an impact and that I contributed. So it's really become a 180 from external, like you mentioned, to what it is now, knowing that you contributed to somebody's life. Yeah, I mean, I think there's... There's so much there because I think what happens is we try to do it backwards, right? We try to, we think that the money, the likes, um, the notoriety, like all that stuff is going to make us happy because that's kind of what we see online, right? Or that's what we like see when we grow up in many cases that we attribute like not having money to being unhappy, right? Or we, we think that because people are going on these nice vacations and have these nice cars that they're happy all the time. And then reality is like, neither are true. Like there's people that don't make a lot of money that are some of the happiest people in the world. And there's people that make a lot of money that are some of the most miserable people in the world, right? And there's so much nuance to everything in life. One of the things that you, that's been like a theme of our conversation, I think, is how you've taken like this newfound passion in, in helping others like cultivate like lasting symphony in their life, this experience within themselves to become the best version of themselves and use that to, for them to help, not only help themselves, but for them to make a difference in the world. And I think there's a lot of people that that listen to this, that maybe they, they've wanted to start a passion project or a side hustle or whatever the case may be, 
But like, it can't just be, you can't just say I'm passionate about this. And all of a sudden, like things are going to, it's going to start raining money and success, right? Like, I think there has to be some level of skill and talent that you have to work at. Like, what advice do you have for somebody that's passionate about something that they, they think that they can turn into a business so that it's successful? Well, first and foremost, I would say this, you can absolutely 100% combine and cultivate a hybrid of making an impact and making a lucrative living. I'm living proof of it. So if that's what you want to do, it can be done, but there's a price to pay, right? Everybody wants to do like to have what I have right now. A lot of people come up to me like, I want to be where you're at. I'm just trying to catch up to you. And in my head, I'm always like, but do you want to do what I did? And what I did was for the first year of the pandemic, brother, you know, I don't call it work because I love it. And if I had a billion in the bank, I'd still be doing it. But I worked. 20 hour days for a year straight. Like I lived and breathed CLS. I wanted to build the brand, uh, cultivate a larger reach, work on my delivery, build the podcast. I did all the things. And so if you have that type of drive, if you negotiate the price in advance, because make no mistake about it, anything worth doing in life comes with a price. Right? And I don't necessarily call it sacrificing. I like to address it as investing because you're investing in your future and the, the value that you're going to provide. Uh, but ultimately, you got to be down for the cause, right? Like I always like to say burn the ships, uh, but I'm also empathetic. Not everybody can quit their job and start something full time uh, tomorrow. Ultimately, for me, that's what I needed. I need to get rid of the safety net, so to speak. So if you want to do something impactful, if you want to touch people's lives, figure out what you're an expert in, right? And what I mean by that is even if somebody didn't like you, what could they not deny that you're an expert in? For me, it's reinvention. I had one life for 12 years. I pivoted and I exploded CLS. And even if you didn't like me, you can't deny that. So now when I'm getting booked for stages, this, that, and the other thing, typically they want me to speak on reinventing your identity. Obviously, accountability, culture, goal setting, and all that stuff too. Um, but that's what I'm an expert in right now. And ultimately, everybody is an expert in something. It comes down to identifying what that is and then figuring out a way to deliver it where you can obviously monetize it and make most of an impact. What I've gathered in terms of data over the last couple of years is this, is adding value gets you rich. If you can add a ton of value and hustle, opportunities will present themselves and you will absolutely figure out ways to monetize. I'm not so concerned with the how. What I think should be focused on is the why. Why are you doing this? What is your purpose? What makes you an expert? And you'll be able to figure it out 100%. You talk about the importance of identity and like reinventing that, like, let's just say like, I don't know, like 10, 12 years ago or whatever. No, let's just say like three years ago, you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're like towards the tail end of your career on Wall Street. Like, who did you see Craig Siegel as then? And then like, when you look at yourself in the mirror before you go to bed tonight, like who do you see Craig Siegel as to now? This is some deep stuff, this is gripping. When I looked in the mirror a couple of years back before CLS, I was unsatisfied, I was unfulfilled. I felt like I was underachieving. Like I was almost disrespecting the creator because I was here for something bigger. And I got caught up in Wall Street and, and I really got caught up being miserable. And I felt stuck. And I don't like to say I, I was stuck because ultimately there's always a choice. And my choice was to not make the tough decision to become unstuck. 
And so I didn't, I did a eulogy exercise. I literally just posted on Instagram maybe two days ago. Like if this was it, right? This is some deep stuff, but it's a good perspective. If this was it for you and people were gathering around your funeral, what would they say about your legacy? What kind of impact contribution did you make to this world? And although I had some good friends and family and so forth, I didn't feel like I really contributed to the world straight up. And so that was part of my inspiration, like with CLS, like I don't care, maybe you haven't noticed, but I'm sure you have. And I don't really talk about this often because I'm, I'm, I kind of just articulated it, but like I speak with a little bit of pain, right? Like it, it's a lot of passion, it's enthusiasm, but I was miserable for quite some time. And so when I really found CLS, my whole core message is to let people know they have a choice. As soon as you decide to reinvent yourself, you can and you can live a much more fulfilling life. I've lived more in the last year and a half than I did the previous 35 year combined, facts. And so ultimately, you have to be ready for that. You have to be available and you have to become a match. And I think that going into CLS, I said to myself this, I don't know 100% how this is gonna play out because similar to running a marathon, my first one, having never gotten past 20 mile mark, how can you be so confident, right? If you never crushed the speaking engagement before, how could you absolutely know for certain you're gonna crush it? But ultimately I knew this. I knew I was willing to give it everything I got. And if I stumbled, I'm resourceful and determined enough to figure out what didn't work and, and revamp it and apply it to make it more successful. So that was something that I can live with. So you ask me now, coming full circle, when I look in the mirror today, what do I see? I can honestly say this, although I believe we barely scratched the surface and we have so much more to do in terms of impact, I have so much more to become, I can honestly say without a shadow of a doubt that I'm proud of where I'm at, what we've been able to do, the impact you've been able to make. And if God forbid this was it for me, I can live with that because the last two years, I went balls to the walls and gave this thing everything I got. And when I say this thing uh, was to, to add value and to support the world. And that's something I can live with. And that means everything. And it's pretty deep stuff because I think most people, sadly, are probably in a position that I was in a couple of years back where they may not want to admit it, but they know that they're here for more. And the whole message of CLS is to let them know that it's available as soon as they're willing. Right. There's so many people that when they get caught up in like a rut like you were in like a few years ago, like they hit the the pause button and they take that pencil where they were writing their story in this book and they 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 have that bad chapter and they're like, you know what? I'm just gonna throw this pencil down the sewer drain and that's it. Like I'll just go through life, like, you know, my identity is gonna get stuck in chapter six of my life, right? Instead of like digging that hand down the sewer drain and being like, you know what? Like I knew I threw that pen down. I knew I gave up myself for a second, but I'm going to rewrite this thing. And I don't know how it's going to end, but I know that I'm going to give it all that I have. And it seems like you did that. And you not only did that, like you, you figured out a way that worked for you to reinvent yourself, which I think is, is awesome, man. Because I think there's people that are listening to this, that they're in that moment or they've been in that moment, or they're going to be in that moment where they feel like their identity has been checked. Or they're like, man, like making all this money wasn't as sweet as I thought it was. Or being in this relationship like wasn't going to give me the fulfillment I thought it was. Or whatever the case may be, that they're like, man, like I got to figure out what drives me now. I got to figure out what fulfills me. Real, real quickly, I want to acknowledge you for that too, Doug, because you completely reinvented your identity as well years back, brother. Yeah, man. I mean, thank you. And I think the, the reason I'm so passionate about this subject is because I think when you're in the thick of adversity, 
if you were to say, like for me, for instance, when I was in jail, if they were to, if, if somebody were to say, hey, you're going to become a personal trainer in like the next few years and you're going to write books and do all this, I would have been like, bullshit. Like, are you kidding me? Like, there's no way. And the reason I say that is because you'd be surprised at how much can change in a few years. You'd be surprised at how much can change in a few months. But I think what's required is just having this level of self-awareness and knowing that once you develop that self-awareness, like it's about just making like small changes and being consistent with those small changes and you start to develop the next version of yourself, right? You got to be committed. And that's kind of what we've both done. What's something though, like recently, like in the last three months, four months, that you've found yourself in a place where you're like, man, I need to work on this. I need to get better at this. I need to improve something, whether it's your relationship that you're in now, whether it's your podcast, whether it's something personal. Like, what's something that Craig Siegel is working on right now? So I had this type of personality that I thought I could do everything, or or maybe I just thought I could do everything better than anybody else. And as you continue to grow and evolve, and hopefully if you're a business owner, scale, you realize that you can't, right? And you have to delegate. And that has been challenging me for quite some time. But now we are hiring, we are scaling, and I am hiring people to do things that I used to do. And two things have happened. Number one, realistically, the people that I hired can do these tasks much better than I ever could. And number two, it's freeing up time that I was spending and energy that I was allocating on this. And now I can stay in my zone of genius, so to speak, which is podcasting, uh, speaking engagements, the, the membership, the community, you know, doing stuff like that, which I think is what's most valuable to the world based upon my contribution. And so, you know, for a while I wouldn't budge, but I finally surrendered to the process. And now we're delegating, we're hiring, we're growing, we're scaling, uh, and it's actually empowering knowing that you have people on your team that you can rely upon to do what their role is, so to speak. And it brings the whole team together, so to speak. So it's probably not the answer you were thinking, uh, but delegation has been something that, that has been a challenge for me for quite some time, but I have surrendered to the process and it's been extremely empowering. Yeah. I mean, delegation is so important when you're, when you're building a business, right? Because it's like you can't do everything. And I think it reaches a point where if the income is good and the revenue is great and you figured out like some a model that works, you're like, man, I need to figure out like what my zone of genius is and what I do well and stick to that. I mean, it's like, what do you like? I think the old saying is like, do what you do best and hire the rest, right? And I think you got to get to that point in your business before you do that. Like, it's not like you can just say on day three, like, oh, I'm just going to do what I do best. Like, I love speaking, I love podcasting, and I'm just going to start hiring out. Then you put yourself in the, in the negative, right? Revenue wise, like, you got to get to a point, I think, like you did, where you're like, have consistent revenue, a consistent good business model, and you're at a place where you feel successful with that. I agree on both accounts. You definitely have to earn it. And number two, that quote that you just said was awesome. Can you please run that back? Yeah, it was do what you do best and hire the rest. It's not mine. I heard it like years ago, but bang. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and, and so I guess as we kind of bring our conversation to a close, one of the things I, I wanna go into now is like what drives you. It seems that whether it's you, whether it's myself, like a lot of us, pain is a big driver for us. Like we almost don't wanna operate from that same level of pain that we were in at one point in our lives. And that's what keeps us motivated to grow as a person and get better and, and do what we're doing now. For you, I know the painful moment that has driven you for quite a bit of time has been those last days of Wall Street and during the pandemic where you were really miserable 
personally and professionally? Like what's driving you now? Like what's driving Craig Siegel to continue to push, persevere, despite all the monetary um, success that's come along with everything you've done? I know that I've barely even scratched the surface of my capacity. And as I begin to really understand this quantum stuff and abundance, right? It's like people, most people think that we're meant to be scarcity, right? And we're meant to be limited. And I believe the opposite. I, I believe that the true purpose of life is to find out who we are. And who we are is infinite, trying to be a human being. Also, we are a soul and a spirit having a human experience. I really believe that we're all tapped into this oneness, whether that's God or this big energy field, whatever the case may be, that we can literally shapeshift and create anything and manifest anything. And every day I'm working on becoming better, more skilled at blocking out the interference from, from letting go of the division that is, whether you wanna say evil or the ego or scarcity, blocking it out and really just staying in alignment with what's possible. And I believe that we are all limitless. And, and this is new ground to me because I had always been skeptical of this stuff because it was beyond my senses, but I'm really excited about it right now. And I wanna see what we can do with this beautiful thing that is life whether that's making much more of an impact, speaking, becoming the most sought after speaker in the world, blowing up the podcast even more. I know we just have a show that just got greenlit for Apple TV with Meltzer and I, marathons. I'm in a, a relationship with a girl right now who just moved in, who it's no secret, I'm all set. I love her, I'm so glad I never settled. There's just so many blessings going on right now and, and for a while it wasn't like that for me. So I, I'm just really excited about everything to really live, not just exist, but like really live and experience life. And one of the ways I know to do that is to be really present, right? Like this conversation right here, for example, like I'm not worried about what happened an hour ago. I sure as hell don't care what's gonna happen in 20 minutes. I'm just super present and intimate with you right now. And I think being present is a portal for expansion and it puts you in a frequency where you can really cultivate and expand into anything that you want. And I know it's not the sexiest answer because it's not like a one word thing, but I'm just really excited about finding out more about what we are capable of in this world. And as you and I have both proven over the last couple of years, like the way we've both been able to build our personal brands, like there's nothing that we can't do if we're in alignment and we're in that frequency. So I'm really excited about everything that we're doing right now. I love it, man. And I love that answer. And I think that's a driver for many people, right? It's just feeling that they've barely scratched the surface and understanding that they are just loving what they're doing and that they feel in total alignment. So they're like, you know what, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep pushing. This is what keeps me excited is knowing that I'm in alignment with everything that I'm doing. We talked about like the last question I want to ask you has to do with something personally. We talked about like a few minutes ago, like something in your business where you've something in your business that you're working on, where you've learned to scale your business. And that has allowed you to essentially just work on what's working for you and, and doing what you do best and hiring the rest, like we, we talked about. But let's just say like you're having a conversation with your the highest version of Craig and you're asking the highest version of Craig like what's one thing personally that I need to do better at like what do you think you would hear it's such an interesting question right because I don't want my moment of silence to reflect the fact that I have an ego that I think I do everything really great because I know this that I don't know what I don't know 
and I'm still figuring things out. And for the first time, really, I'm asking for support, right? I'm reaching out to people, I'm picking people's brains that are a little further ahead, and I'm asking for experience in, in certain things, and it's been really liberating and empowering. I think the highest version of Craig would say to me is to continue to explore, right? And find out what I don't know and how I can become knowledgeable or better at certain things in all areas of life, right? Like even in a relationship, like maybe I need to be a little bit more patient or actually patience is something I definitely need to work on in all areas of life, if I'm being honest. And ultimately, I'm doing a lot of things right right now. And I say that humbly um, because a couple years ago, I wasn't. And I'm in a really good place right now. But ultimately, continue to lean into and embrace that I don't know what I don't know and pick people's brains and seek out uh, mentorship and circle of friends that are doing really big, epic and exciting things and surrender and ask for support and so forth. And as I continue to do that, it's really tremendous for not only my growth, but it's also very empowering to say, look, I've never been here before. I don't know what mile 25 feels like on my first marathon. So I I need to continue to lean into realizing that I don't know everything and, and just continue to ask for support and surround myself with the right cats. You ready for another uh, one-liner? This is something else I heard back in the day is like, the minute you think you know everything, you know nothing. I heard that years ago, and I think that's incredible. That's like something that that you're working on. I mean, because you seem like you're just a sponge for information, Craig, and that you just want to continue to learn and grow and evolve. And I think you're going to continue to flourish and have success because of your commitment to understanding that and impatience. Yeah, it's something we all struggle with. I mean, that was something that honestly earlier today, I'm like, I'm working on something and trying to get something lined up. And I'm like, all right, Doug, just be patient, be patient, be patient. And it's hard, right? Because sometimes when you're not persistent enough, you miss out because people are like, why didn't you just follow up? Like I was just busy or you're too persistent and you end up blowing somebody's phone up like all day, every day for like weeks. And they're like, dude, like I got this, like, you'll be good. Like back off. Like I'll let you know, you know, and it's just this dance that it's an art. And we're always, always learning that art. Look at our relationship, right? It's like, I have a feeling that like me and you, maybe three years ago, this dynamic would be completely different, but we both, we hit it off and we were kind of bouncing ideas off each other saying, hey, how'd you do that? Or how'd you have success there? And we both been just leaning into it and giving each other uh, tidbits and nuggets and any type of inspiration that we can. And how much better has that been, right? So that's something that that's kind of new to me. And it really makes for just a more special and intimate dynamic, even with friends. Yeah. I love it, Craig. And I think so many people are going to get a lot of value out of our conversation and your energy. I think it's you have this uniqueness about you to kind of light up a room and just be honest and be real and communicate effectively. So if people want to follow along, whether it's your podcast, whether it's what you put out on social media and they want to connect with you, where's the best place for them to do that? Podcast is everywhere you listen to podcasts, the CLS experience on Instagram at Craig Siegel underscore CLS, Twitter. Now we're on TikTok uh, and the website cultivatelastingsymphony.com. You can sign up for our membership, which is a multi subscription. It's a community, the masterminds, the coaching, the speaking, hire us to speak, all the things. Bottom line, come say hello. Don't be shy. I love to interact with the audience. Well, I will make sure to include the links to all that stuff in the show notes. And for those listening, what I invite you to do is to share a takeaway. Maybe it was something that Craig said about he how he transformed himself, like from being somebody who was miserable on Wall Street to doing what he's doing now. 
maybe it was something that he said about his, uh, how fitness and running played a role in his journey, which we all know we talk a lot about on this podcast. And specifically, like if it really resonated with you when he had that injury, where a lot of times we have these injuries in life that set us back. And in many cases, they end up, they could set us back for a lot longer than they need to because of our response to that. And I think how, what Craig did in response to his injury was quite inspirational. So if that hit home, Make sure to share that takeaway, tag Craig and tag myself because we'd love to hear your feedback. And we once again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and we'll see you next time.